Welcome, everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our churches, Bluntstown, Chipley, and Mariano. We are in our third week of our series, our Christmas series, entitled Waiting for Christmas. And just want to remind you, when you came in all of our churches today, uh, there was an invite card on your seat. Make sure you take that with you and make sure you're inviting families, uh, students, and adults to experience our Christmas Eve experience next Sunday morning. And then also, you want to be inviting families because we're going to have a Jingle Jam and Wombaland and Upstreet. That's free school and elementary. It's going to be an amazing experience. It is just a great opportunity for you to invite families and friends to come and hear the glorious gospel message of Jesus Christ and just experience Christmas Eve with us at RCC. So um, make sure that you take some cards. Feel free to pick up as many as you want and be inviting this week. Now, as I've told you throughout this series, I am really excited about this series because we're talking about a struggle that nobody talks about at Christmas. But it's a struggle that is a very significant part of the Christmas story. And you say, well, what is that struggle? Well, it's the struggle of the weariness and the hopelessness that every Christ follower eventually feels as they wait on God to act, especially when experiencing disappointment or suffering or whenever our hopes and our dreams and our goals get interrupted in life. Now, one of the things that I really love about this time of the year is that people are pretty much in a good mood. Now, some people get in the holiday season and it kind of puts them in a bad mood, but that's, that's just a minority of the people. But the majority of the people are pretty much in a good mood this part of the year. And part of the reason that people are in such a good mood is because they're anticipating and they're looking forward to celebrating Christmas. See, Christmas is coming and they're excited about that. But even though Christmas is coming, kind of here's the catch with all of this. You have ideas, you have hopes, you have dreams, you have plans for what could be and what should be and what Christmas should be all about. And you're looking forward, most of you, you're looking forward to celebrating Christmas a certain way. You have this idea in your mind of how you want it to go. In other words, you have expectations for how things are going to go. See, those of you that are younger, you have some expectations or some hopes about the presence that you've been hinting about a lot for them to be coming your way. And so you have expectations and anticipation about what you're going to get. For those of you that are a little bit older, you've kind of shifted to having more of expectations about how those gifts that you're going to give are going to be received, right? Or maybe you expect that all the family's going to come together under one roof and it's been a long time since that has happened and you're so excited that we're going to have all the family together for this Christmas season. Or maybe you expect that this is the time of the year when everybody is going to get along <laughs> That they're going to put on their best behavior for like half a day or a whole day or maybe a couple days. And you're going to create some real family memories that you want to remember. Not memories like maybe have happened in the past, right? You, you're, you're anticipating that. In fact, some of you, because the family's going to be together, like you're hoping everyone's going to wake up early Christmas morning and everybody will be in a great mood and the kids and, or the grandkids, they're going to open up their presents and they're going to react in a certain way as they receive those gifts that you gave with love and, and just affection for those children and those grandchildren. And some of you have even taken it to another level 
Like you're expecting everybody to sit around the kitchen table or the dining room table and eat breakfast or brunch together. That's my wife's favorite thing to make for us as a family is we all have brunch and Maybe somebody's going to read the Christmas story before the breakfast or the brunch or after the breakfast or the brunch. And here's what I know. I don't know what your plans are, but I bet that you have some expectations in your mind for how you hope and you wish things would go this Christmas season. Now, the problem is, and, and, and this is not to spoil any of your excitement and anticipation, but the problem is is that your happiness and your hopes will most likely be short-lived because everything is not going to happen the way that you anticipate, the way that you would love for it to happen. It's it's very likely at some point that one of the kids is not gonna be happy about something that happens or something they got or didn't get. And most likely, you're never going to get everybody around the table all at the same time. I mean, it's like somebody's always going to have to go to the bathroom about the time everybody's ready to sit down. And you're thinking, really? I mean, we've been planning for this for a while, and now you've got to decide, okay. (laughs) And then there is Uncle Joe and Aunt Susie. And you just know they're going to fight before breakfast or brunch is over because Susie's going to be trying to put stuff on Uncle Joe's plate and he's going to say, I don't care for that. And she says, oh, you do like this. And he goes, no, I've told you for 40 years. I don't like that. And then it turns into the fight and you know how that works, right? See, I can pretty much guarantee you that Christmas or your Christmas expectations, they're not going to come true the way that you've planned or anticipated them. And I can guarantee you when those plans get interrupted, you're going to be disappointed. Absolutely disappointed. In fact, some of you will be so disappointed, you're going to be angry. Some of you over this next week, you're you're going to shed some tears on multiple occasions because of your disappointment and your anger. In fact, some of you, you're gonna come so unglued that you're gonna end up in therapy for January and February just because of all of your disappointment. And here's the thing that's so interesting about this. You know, you know that everything you anticipate, everything that you're excited about, you know it's not going to come, all of it's not gonna come true. But even though you know that the disappointments are gonna happen, it's still Hurts, doesn't it? Now, what happens to us every year at Christmas, it also happens to us in life. Think about it this way. We have plans, we have dreams, we have expectations for how things are going to go, and and, and we're filled up with all this hope, and then life gets interrupted. And things don't go according to plan. And we become unhappy. And sometimes we don't just become unhappy. We get angry. We get angry at God and we get angry at other people. Because while we know intellectually that nothing is going to go according to plans, emotionally, we're just never prepared for the disappointing interruptions of life. In fact, some of you, you're right there right now, aren't you? Your dreams have been interrupted, and it's your fault. You've made some decisions. You've taken some wrong paths, and your life is being interrupted because of your decisions. 
But, but maybe that's not true or the case for you because for you, maybe your life got interrupted because of somebody else's decisions or somebody else's bad decisions and, and you feel like that this other person in your life forced you to lose your hopes and your dreams. See, some of you, you had the dream of finishing your life with the person that you married, but it's clear that's never gonna happen and so now you're hurt and you're disappointed. You're even angry about that. Some of you, you had a career dream and now that's been interrupted. And you're not sure what to do next. And, and you don't even see any good options in the future. And all you feel is frustration and, and maybe even anger. Because after all, you've worked so hard. You've tried so hard. So some of you, you, you had plans to be married or to have children by a certain age. But those things have been interrupted. And you're not sure what to do next. And maybe most of all, you aren't sure what you should do with all this disappointment. That you just consistently continue to carry because things are not happening the way you plan for them to happen. See, some of you, you just feel the frustration of having your plans interrupted day after day after day after day, and it doesn't feel like there's any margin in your life, and it doesn't feel like there's ever going to be margin, and it doesn't feel like that there's hope for life ever to be easy again. It feels like that everything is always gonna be out of control, and you're just so frustrated about it, and you're so angry about it, and the frustration, it just continues to build and to build because the interruptions just keep hump happening, and you have no margin and you have no hope for any. See, some of you though, you're dealing with the disillusionment even, not just the disappointment, but the disillusionment of an illness that is affecting all of your hopes and your dreams that you had for your future. See, see the truth is if I could sit down and have lunch or breakfast or conversation with each of you, all of our churches, what would be true is we all deal with interruptions, don't we? And unless we learn how to view them as more than a problem, because that's how we view them. We view them as a problem, a problem that is so, we're so opposed to having in our life that we get frustrated, we get angry, we come unglued. And, and here's the thing, if, if we don't learn how to view these as more than just a problem, then we're never gonna experience the joy and the hope. That's the heart of the Christmas message. So here's the thing, you, you may never have thought about it, but if you have ever felt frustration and disappointment that comes from your plans being interrupted, and we all have, you really should love the Christmas story. You really should love it. Because as we saw last week with Zachariah and Elizabeth, the story that we gather to read each year, it is actually a story filled with very significant interruptions. If you read all the characters starting at the beginning of the Christmas story, there was all these interruptions in all of these characters' life, and, and there's none more that is impacted with an interruption than the person of Mary. See, when you begin to read her story and you begin to put yourself in her shoes, you realize that she had her world 
turned upside down in a way. She had her life interrupted in a way that she never got back on track with her plans. In fact, in a lot of ways, her hopes and her dreams, they were dashed completely. But through her response, we discover the secret to allowing those interruptions instead of turning us toward frustration and anger toward God and other people, we find the secret to allow those interruptions to propel us forward in our faith rather than leaving us frustrated. So this week, what I wanna do is I wanna read the story before the story of Jesus' birth that we're gonna look at next week. And this story is found in the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. We're gonna pick up where we left off last week. So here's how Luke tells this story. Luke chapter one, beginning in verse 26, the last verse we read last week, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, this is why is this relevant to our story of Mary today? Well, Elizabeth was a relative of Mary who had her own interruption with an unexpected pregnancy very late in life. And so if you're with us last week, remember we talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth and the interruption they had in their life. If you weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and watch or listen to the previous two talks in this series because they really build a foundation for today's conversation and next week's conversation. Now, Here's how this story goes. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, before we go and unpack how this interrupted Mary's life, there are two things I don't want you to miss. Did you notice that Luke said, God sent the angel to Mary. Or another way of saying it is, God sent the interruption into Mary's life. And I just want you to understand something. Sometimes God allows interruptions in our life, and sometimes God even sends interruptions in our life. And I'm gonna tell you why, a little bit later on, why he sends them in our life, But here's the thing I know. None of us like hearing that, that God allows interruptions and and sometimes God sends interruptions in our life. None of us like hearing that. But there are times when you are complaining about what God is allowing. You're complaining about what God is sending. And that was certainly true for Mary. God is sending this interruption in her life. So listen to the message the angel has for her. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now here's what I know about you. If the angel told you or the angel told me, hey, that you're highly favored of God, the Lord is with you, you would expect a lot of great things to be coming your way, right? Like, if I'm highly favored and God is with me, then life is about to get really good. If an angel told you, hey, God is with you, you would expect to have all kind of blessings flowing your way. You're you're going, okay, God, now I'm gonna know the path that you have for my life and it's gonna be just absolutely amazing and there's gonna be all these blessings because I am favored by God. But as we're gonna see, that's not the case for Mary. In fact, it says in verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. In other words, she's not sure what's going on here. 
How in the world am I highly favored? I mean, after all, remember, she's just an ordinary teenage girl from a small rural town in Israel who's just had an angel appear to her. This girl is scared to death, and understandably so. I mean, it is so clear from her response that we're about to see that this is not an interruption that she would have invited or requested into her life. So when Gabriel sees how confused and how frightened he is, or she is, this is how he responds. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. And here's the statement again. You have found favor with God. And then he tells her, this message, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. And I'm thinking, or she's thinking, um, Jesus, the Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus. And then he begins to unpack it a little bit more. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendant forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, here's the problem we have when we hear this story. We, we know too much about the story. We know how the story ends. We know how the story ends for us. But I want you to imagine what worse news can come to an unmarried 14, 15, or 16-year-old Jewish girl? What worse news could she possibly get? Like, are you kidding me, angel? I'm about to be pregnant, and I'm going to be pregnant with what you're calling God's child, God's son. Yeah, aren't you excited? Not so much. Like, would you have been excited by that news if you were a 14, 15, 16-year-old girl? I mean, you would have thought, this is anything but God's favor. And that's how Mary feels. In fact, look at her response in verse 34. How will this be? And I think in that little statement there, there's a whole lot more emotion than what we read into it. How can this be? I don't even want it to be. And how can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin it's like, Gabriel, I stopped lessening back up at the part where you're going to conceive and give birth. Like, you just need to explain this part to me again. You, you need to explain that. You need to explain how this is God's son. Like, how can all this be happening to me? Because I am a virgin. I can't have a baby. And if I do have a baby, then I'm in really big trouble because nobody's going to believe that I'm having a baby as a virgin and is God's son. Like, that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. My parents won't believe it. Joseph sure won't believe me. Nobody at school's gonna believe me. Nobody in the community or their neighborhood's gonna buy this. I'm going to be an outcast and have no favor with anyone for the rest of my life. I mean, if this is how God's favor is, I don't know if I want it because my life is about to be ruined. I mean, think about it. For just a moment, put yourself in the shoes of a 14, 15, 16-year-old Jewish girl. Imagine the price she would pay with her family. Imagine the embarrassment and shame 
that she would feel in the community, that the family would feel, feel in a community, where in this Jewish community, chastity, purity, being a virgin, when you get married, it was highly valued. And now all of a sudden, their daughter is coming and saying, oh, I'm pregnant. And it's not Joseph's. It's God's baby. Parents, if your daughter, 14, 15, 16, walked in your house and said, Mom, Dad, I got something to tell you. I'm pregnant. I don't even have a boyfriend. I'm going to have a baby. And it's God's baby. Like, you're like, okay, you're the biggest liar on planet Earth. Like, that one's already been used by Mary. Anyhow, no. <laughs> I mean, think about this. But that's what she's going in to tell her parents. How would you respond? You say, you're a liar. It's not true. So imagine the price that she's going to pay. Imagine the price that her family is going to pay. Most of all, just think about this, this price in this community. It was huge. See, the law said... The Jewish law said that unmarried Jewish women who became pregnant, they should be stoned to death. Now, it wasn't always enforced, but it was an option. So it wasn't necessarily certain that she was going to be stoned to death, but what was certain is that she would be ostracized and shunned from her community from this point forward in her life. It's, it's not just this little cute manger scene where everybody is adoring her and thinking, oh, Mary, that's so amazing. See, while we tend to look back and we hear these songs and, and people sing these songs, Mary, did you know? Or people say things like, Mary, what a blessing. I, I can promise you this did not feel like a blessing to Mary at all. This was a major life interruption in the moment. This felt more like a burden that was going to shatter her life, her plans, her hopes and dreams. Nothing about this is what she envisioned her life being. Now, here's what I bet. There's some of you in Bluntstown, some of you in Chipley, here in Mariana. I bet you can relate to this in the sense that you've had moments where you felt like these interruptions they were crushing your dream. Maybe some of you are even experiencing an interruption right now that are crushing your dreams, your goals, your desires for your life, haven't you? Maybe God allowed the interruption. Maybe he didn't allow the interruption. Maybe God sent the interruption. Maybe he didn't send the interruption. But your dreams have been disrupted and interrupted. And now you're mad at God and you're mad at the people in your life. You're mad at your spouse. You're mad at your parents. You're mad at your coworkers. You're mad at everybody. You are angry. And you don't see the interruption in your life any more of a blessing than Mary did in this moment. And you're frustrated that your plans are not working out right. And you're disappointed that God hasn't done for you what you want him to do. So you've completed or concluded in your mind that God is completely done with me. That he is, I'm not favored by God in my life. In fact, some of you are at the place while you doubt God's love for you. Others of you are the place where you go, I don't doubt God's love for me, but I do doubt his wisdom and care. 
and you're pretty sure that your plan that you had was a lot better than God's plan, that's why you're so frustrated and angry with God because I had this plan. Now it's not happening. Now this is the part that none of us like to hear. And so if you haven't been taking notes, this is when you want to start taking notes. This is the part that none of us like to hear. But when interruptions irritate you, don't miss what I'm saying here. When interruptions irritate you, let's just get real honest, all of our campuses. How many of you have been ever been irritated by an interruption? Can we just raise our hands real quickly, all of us? See, see, that's everybody. Okay, so I'm talking to everybody, so I know this fits. But when interruptions irritate you, whether it's a lifelong dream, a lifelong plan, or a goal, or just your plans for the day. So let me say this again. When interruptions irritate you, whether it's a big plan that you had, or just some interruptions in the plan that you had for your day, that is a sign to you that your dreams, that your plans has become your God which is a form of idolatry. It means that you have given higher value to your dreams, your goals, and your plans. Your dreams for happiness, your dreams for fulfillment, your dreams for career, for whatever it is. You've given higher value to it than you have to your heavenly father. In fact, this is how Tim Keller says it. He says, the most painful times in our lives are times in which our idols are being threatened or removed. The most painful times in our marriages, the most painful times in our relationships, the most painful times in our work, the most painful times in our families, the most painful times in our life wherever. Finances. Whatever, the most painful times in our lives are times in which our idols are being threatened or removed. See, that's why we get irritated with interruptions. And because you and I don't realize that we have made idols out of our dreams and our plans. What happens is, is you're fine with God as long as he doesn't interrupt what you want. As long as what you want goes smoothly. But the moment a glitch comes, an interruption comes, and you start getting frustrated and angry and mad because it's not going your way the way you want it to go. It shows what you care about the most. See, make sure you get this. When interruptions irritate you, that's a sign that your dreams or your plans have become your God. See, that's one of the reasons and a primary reason that God allows or even sends interruptions into our lives to help you see who and what your idols are. Because the reality is you have plans, you have dreams, you have goals, 
And those dreams and those plans and those goals, they are all about your happiness. They're all about your fulfillment, how you're going to be satisfied with life and how you're going to experience everything that's wonderful in your life. And so you lay out the plan and you lay out the strategy and in your mind, you know how exactly it's supposed to work. And then it doesn't go your way. And it gets interrupted. And when that interruption irritates you, that's a sign that your dreams or plans have become your God. It really helps you to see whether you're really following God no matter the interruption or you're only following God for what he can do or will do for you. So the question is, what do you do when you find yourself at the crossroad of your dreams and your plans being interrupted? Because we all end up there almost daily, don't we? Like when your plans and your dreams are being interrupted, you have a choice to make, a major choice to make. And what we're going to discover from this story that we're looking at this morning is there is only one healthy response in the moment. There is only one way to deal with these interruptions. There's only one way to deal with these frustrations. There's only one way to overcome this struggle And that's to do what Mary did. I mean, think about this. With all of the uncertainty that Mary was about to experience, with all the fear of what this is going to mean for her life, and and in spite of the fact that she has no answers for what's going to happen or any assurance of how it's going to turn out, I want you to notice what Mary says. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I love this. Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. None of this makes sense. None of this sounds like it's going to turn out good. I mean, this is going to result in a lot of pain and a lot of just misunderstanding. I'm going to be ostracized by my community. I'm going to be shunned. I mean, this is going to follow me for the rest of my life. It's definitely not what I had planned. But God, I am here to serve you. You're not here to serve me. So I'll do whatever you want. Or another way of saying this is, God, you do whatever you think is best. God, I trust you. I trust you when my dreams are coming true. I trust you when my dreams are not coming through. I trust you when my dreams and my goals are being interrupted and it looks like they're being destroyed. I trust you when everything's smooth and I trust you when everything is stormy. I am the Lord's servant. And in this response that Mary has, we find the secret to having hope in our interruptions. The key to overcoming our disappointment in the interruptions of our life. And I just want to tell you, it's one word. But I'm going to give you a phrase to explain the word. But I'm telling you, we're all going to come to a place in our life where we are at a crossroad 
and we try to do our thing for so long. We have our goals and our plans and our dreams and God interrupts them. And so we make new goals and new plans. See, it's why we try to control the outcomes because we have created our own little gods that are supposed to create our own outcomes. But in this response, we learn the secret for hope when our dreams and our goals and plans are completely destroyed. And it's one word. It's the word surrender. And I don't mean fatalistic surrender, but I mean courageous surrender. The not my plan, but your will be done kind of surrender. Not the kind of surrender that most of us go into where we start comparing ourselves to Job and say, oh, I'm going through this Job experience and and this is so bad because I'm so much like Job. I'm like, oh, you need to go read the Bible again. Because if you read chapter one, it says that Job was a righteous man and basically perfect in all his ways. He was the most upright person that was alive at the time. I think we all need to go look in the mirror because I don't think we can say we're the most upright person who's alive at this point in time. So we start, we just start doing this fatalistic victim kind of thing. I'm just a victim. So this is not fatalistic kind of surrender, but this is courageous surrender. Not my plan, but your plans be done kind of courageous surrender. The kind of courageous surrender that says, God, I trust you even when you disrupt everything in my life. I trust you even though my dreams and my goals and my plans are going to be destroyed. Whatever you say, God, I will obey because I courageously surrender to you. And I'm guessing that many of you in our churches, there is some area in your life where you're facing this choice to courageously surrender. Will I surrender to God's way and God's will or will I fight for my way? And when I fight for my way, it's a sign that my way has become more important to me than God's way. Again, Tim Keller, he says it this way. He says, if you ask for something that you don't get, you may become sad and disappointed, and then you go on. Those are not your functional masters or your idols or your gods. In other words, those things that you ask for from God but you don't get and you're sad for a moment, disappointed, but you just go on and you're filled with the joy of the Lord and you're moving forward in your relationship with God. Well, he goes, well, those are not your functional masters. But when you pray and hope for something and you don't get it, and you respond with explosive anger or deep despair, then you have, may have found your real God. So what's making you angry in life? What's filling you with deep despair? Because your goal, your dream, your plan is not going your way. So let me ask you, what do you need to courageously Surrender. Do you need to courageously surrender your dream of how your career was going to progress? 
Do you need to courageously surrender that you are going to be married or where you would live once you're married or the kind of house that you're going to live in or how you would retire in your life? Do you need to courageously surrender all that? Do you need to courageously surrender the dream of how your family would look or, or even the courageously surrender the dream of having kids or having them at a certain time? Do you need to courageously, for all of us, because we all raised our hands, do you need to courageously surrender your everyday plans to God? Because most of us, even when the smallest part of our plan for our day gets interrupted, we get frustrated or angry. And every time we get interrupted and get irritated, it is a sign that we have made our plan more important than God. For some of you, you need to courageously surrender your educational dreams, your financial dreams, your athletic dreams, your dreams about how you're going to spend your summers or your weekends or how much money you're going to make. You need to surrender what kind of path you have planned for the rest of your life. I mean, you got this plan. You've, you've thought about it. You've thought about it for months. You've thought about it for years. You've worked on this plan, and now you're pulling trigger. And it's not working it out the way you thought. Listen, what you do how you react when your plans get interrupted reveal just how much or how little you trust your heavenly father. The greater the level of reaction and irritation, the lower the level of trust. See, it shows whether you trust in God's identity or you just trust in his activity. See, when you choose courageous surrender, God becomes personal. You learn something about yourself because when you courageously surrender, I mean, it's like all of a sudden life gets really clear and, and you're saying, God, no matter what, and I'll never forget, I'll never forget the moment in my life when I said, okay, God, I have fought and I have fought and I have fought to carry out my plans and it put me in my in-law's basement for six months. If you've been around here, I mean, six years, I mean, and, and, and I was fighting God, like I'm gonna get my plans and I'm gonna get my plans because God, this is the best plan and I'll never forget the night I lay on this cold concrete floor in the basement and I said to God, God, I surrender all. My life is your life for the rest of my life. My dreams and goals and plans to have a hardware business life, build spec homes, all this stuff, and be a millionaire by the time I'm 35, 40, you know, whatever it is. Like all of that, God, I give it up. And I even told God, this is gonna sound ridiculous to some of you. I'm like, God, hang me naked under the red light if that's what you need to do to break me free. Let people mock me. Let people shame. Whatever it takes, God, I surrender. And it wasn't a fatalistic surrender. It was a courageous surrender. It's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I still have to go back there. Sometimes daily. Sometimes weekly. Say, God's not my life. I'm your servant. 
Now, let me just warn you. If you do that, you may end up not being in business and being a pastor. I'm just saying. <laughs> but I will tell you something. It's been the greatest blessing of my life. And I'm just going to tell you, you, you don't get to see the favor of God that he promises you until you have courageously surrendered. Because when you choose to courageously surrender, God becomes personal. You learn things about yourself that you can't learn any other way. And you learn some things about God that you cannot learn any other way. And you know one of the primary things you learn is? You learn that God is enough. You learn that God is enough. It doesn't matter if he gives you what you want. God is enough. It doesn't matter if your dreams or plans ever happen the way you planned them out. God is enough. He's still worth following. It doesn't matter if you ever have what you want or all you want. He's still worth trusting and following. And you, you begin to discover that you really do love him for who he is, not just what he does for you and works out for you. And then you discover this. And if you've not written anything else down, write this down. You discover this. Sometimes God's favor comes disguised as a difficulty. Like you, you came up with this plan. I, I'm going I'm to live this out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be happy once I do this. And now all of a sudden, it is driving you crazy because none of it is happening the way you wanted it to happen. See, sometimes God's best gift to you can look like suffering or difficulty or interruption to you. And you're not happy about it. You're thinking, this is like the worst thing that could ever happen to me. But down the road, it becomes like the worst, I mean, the best thing that's ever happened to you. God is bringing you to his place of favor. I mean, let me just use a simple illustration, but you'll get this. I mean, think about this. Go back to your high school or college days, right? How many of you have an old boyfriend or old girlfriend who broke up with you? Can we see, kind of see your hands? Not you broke up with them, but like they broke up with you, right? So if everybody's honest, you'd have to raise your hands on that one. And at the time, like, you felt like your world was falling apart. You stayed up and you cried all night. You know, your friends, oh, I can't believe that. Or if you were a guy, you're like, oh, no, I was already going to break up with her because I mean, I just wasn't going to have, you know. But down deep inside, you're thinking, I'll never have a meaningful relationship ever, ever again. Right? But now looking back and seeing the outcome of that person's life, you're thinking, what a blessing that was. <laughs> like, that was a real blessing in disguise. What a, well, see, here's the thing. That's true for a lot of things. That in the moment, like, it's, it's like the worst difficulty of your life. And that was true for Mary. What looked like something that would wreck her life and destroy her dreams. In the end, it turned out to be the greatest blessing that God could ever give her. She became the mother of the savior of the world. But if you'd asked Mary at 14, even when she courageously surrendered, if you'd asked her at 24, if you'd asked her at 34, maybe even 44, hey, you highly favored? She'd go, I don't think so. This has been tough. This has been hard. But I'm sure there was this moment in her life when she saw her son rise from the dead and she experienced this resurrected Savior. 
She got it. And here's what I tell you. The same can be true for you. That interruption, that delay, that difficulty that is frustrating you and upsetting you, that thing that is interrupting your plans to satisfaction and fulfillment and complete happiness, that disruption may be God's biggest gift to you this Christmas season. It may be the most valuable gift that God has ever handed to you. You just don't know the whole story of what God wants to do. See, you, you can't see it how all of this is gonna turn out in the end, but I'm telling you, on the other side of this interruption, if you courageously surrender, there is God's favor and his blessing. But the only way to get from here to there is to courageously, not fatalistically like most of us do. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm just suffering like Job. So bad, I'm such a victim, please. No, no, it's to be like Mary. God, I courageously surrender to you. Whatever your will is, whatever your way is, whatever you want, I surrender. I am your servant. You're not my servant. So as you wait in this season of interruption, will you courageously surrender and pray Mary's prayer? Will you say, God, I am your servant and I'm willing to do whatever you want? Embarrass me in front of the whole community. Shame me in front of the whole community. Make me a laughingstock in front of the whole community because they think I'm crazy. Like I'm a virgin and I'm having a baby and it's God's son. Do whatever you want. Because see, sometimes you go, why, well, why did you say, God, embarrass me? Hang me, you know, because I'm like, God, I, you just have to get to that place. I'll live with shame. I'll live with whatever. I'll live with disgrace. I'll be ostracized. God, whatever. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't even like that it's happening. It just feels like the worst kind of interruption, frustration, and difficulty. But God, I trust you, and I believe that you're enough. If my dreams and plans are never fulfilled, and if I never get what I wanted, it's okay because you are enough, and I trust that you're better. Your plans are better than my plans. I'm just telling you, this right here is probably the most powerful prayer that you could pray in this Christmas season. Because when you can mean this, it is a sign that you have fully and courageously surrendered and that God is enough for you. Because until God is enough for you, you have other gods in your life. You have other idols. And every time you get interrupted and it irritates you, it's a sign that God is still helping you get rid of all the idols. See, here, here's what I know about you. you. You don't want to miss what God has for you. But I also want to tell you, he is absolutely worth trusting no matter what happens. He is a good and he is a faithful God. So don't make your dreams and your plans your God, your idols. Don't try to control the outcome and force your plans because every time you go in control mode, you have just elevated all those idols in your life. But when the interruption, the disruptions comes and you're tempted to fight, I want you to pause. I want you to remember, we could not celebrate Christmas if it weren't for a young teenage girl who courageously surrendered 
to what you could say was the greatest interruption in someone's life of all times. So we take that step of faith, courageously surrender, and then choose to take those interruptions and to trust them to the God who is so much bigger than we are, who is big enough, loving enough to help us through them all. I mean, after all, Christmas is coming, right? Emmanuel, God is with us. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your incredible goodness to us. I thank you for your love. I just ask that you help us all to courageously surrender. Help us all to say in this moment, this week, God, I don't know what all this means. It, it probably is gonna mean I'm not gonna get what I planned, what I dreamed for, what I wanted, but I courageously surrender. I am your servant. Do whatever you want. God, I thank you that on the other side of courageous surrender, that's when we experience your favor and your blessing. Thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And you'll be through, or you'll be with us through the journey. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Hey, everyone, thanks so much for being with us today. Can't wait to share next week with y'all. Have a great week.